This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. You know, God has designed all of us to be relational people. You say, well, I'm just not so much a relational person. I have a hard time uh, interacting with people. I feel awkward. Well, God didn't make you that way. And if you're a child of God, you're indwelled by the Spirit of God, and God would have that awkwardness leave you because you are His child. He is in you. And so the wisdom of God we find in God's holy word, and then we have God's Holy Spirit living in us. And because we have the wisdom of God, if we're surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit within us, and if we're surrendered to the teachings and principles we learn from the Word of God, our personality can change. Now, you may know your Bible from cover to cover and even the maps, but if you're unapproachable, people are not comfortable with you, you'd rather be alone than be with someone. I can tell you this, you can keep cramming your mind full of facts, but there's no way you can say that I'm spirit-filled, even though you may know the message. You see, the wisdom of God changes how we think. Paul said, be you therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when the Spirit of God and the Word of God changes our thinking, it'll also change our actions. And it'll also change how we feel. And it'll also encourage and change our relationships to the positive. Many years ago now, when I first went through the little series of lessons that I promote all the time, I've got more out of these lessons than I did my two years of seminary out of these Bible lessons. And many years ago now, as I was going through this series, I was on course four, and I came to a particular lesson that has to do with your relationships. And I came to a picture that was in the lesson, and uh, when I looked at the picture, it was so simple, and it's probably came out in the 1950s or 1960s, so it's an old picture. But it stayed right here in my mind. This picture just stays right here in my mind. And I think about it, and I see it quite often when I feel this sense of being intimidated, uh, wanting to avoid a person or avoid a group of people because I feel less than or something like that. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God <laughs> just serves this picture right back up to my mind. And it came out of one of the lessons that I practically begged you to do. I've been seeing that picture in my mind since the first time I looked at it. On one side, it shows a young man. His countenance is a little bit downcast. He's a little bit strained, and he has a wrong attitude. And basically, I wonder what he thinks about me. Now, I want to ask you, when you're at school, when you're with other people at work, do you find yourself avoiding people Wondering, what do they think about me? You have to make yourself stop thinking that way. It should be the other way. It should be a right response, which is, what is God doing in his life? How can I help? How can I fertilize? How can I water? What can I say? What can I do? What can I give to cause them to find Christ or to cause them to grow up in Christ? That is a true child of God who is spirit-filled. To be the other side, either a person has never truly been born again, they're very self-conscious in a negative way, 
or either they're carnal, they're not walking in the Spirit, and they're controlled by what other people think about them. So when you kids go off to school tomorrow, people go off to work, your relationship that you have, I want you to remember this picture, and I want you to ask yourself, what kind of attitude, what kind of response do I have? Am I always wondering what they think about me? Am I afraid to be rejected? Am I controlled by what the Bible calls the fear of man? Or am I thinking, what is God doing in her life? How can I help? What can I say? What can I do? And that's how I'm encouraging you and exhorting you to think, and I will not settle for less. And I don't want you to settle for less. This has to be the way you think, and I will die trying to get everybody that I know thinking correctly and thinking this way. Now, the title of the message is Being a Blessing to Others. Now, if you're a young person here and you say, I just don't have any friends, or either I have friends for a little while and then they begin to withdraw from me and I don't know what to do. Or I just feel like I can't approach certain people. I just feel just so awkward when it comes to friendships. One way to be a person who is a blessing to others, so simple, is to develop qualities in yourself that you admire in other people. So when you're around someone, you say, I just like her or him. I like the way they are. Write that down on a piece of paper and say, I'm going to become like that. I'm going to be this kind of a person. So when you see qualities that endear you to other people, say, I'm going to be like that. Now, the key to relating to other people is this. It's not so much thinking, I'm going to put them in their place, and we have a society that that thought dominates right now, especially, I'm going to put them in their place. But if the key to relating to people is not thinking that way. Is thinking this way. I'm going to get into their shoes, and I'm going to feel what they feel. I'm going to get into their place and see if I can understand where they are so I can be an encouragement to take them to where they should be the way God wants them to be. And so... Oswald Chambers used to say when he would talk about intercession, he would say, what do we need to do to intercede for other people? We need to get into their shoes, look through their eyes, hear with their ears, feel what they feel, and do all that before God so that you know how to respond to them and relate to them. It's a lifestyle. So with that in mind, I invite you to take God's Word and turn to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Jesus gave us a perfect rule for establishing quality human relationship. You say, Pastor, why did you choose to speak on this? It's because our life groups are starting back up. And I want you to be this kind of a person as you go back into your life group semester. Now, when you see Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, what you see... Back in the 17th century, people started calling this the golden rule. Everybody knows this. Even non-Christians know what the golden rule is. But near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus said this, Therefore, whatever you want men to do for you, do also to them, for this is the law 
and the prophets. Now, just a short, quick statement, but this particular statement was not something new. This statement, in its negative form, was taught by Socrates, was taught by Aristotle, Confucius, and others. This is how they taught this. They would say, don't do to others what you would not have them do to you. They would take it from the negative. Don't do that or they'll do it to you. Jesus turned it. Jesus wasn't saying it this way. Jesus is changing this thought process right here. Jesus is changing it to the positive and from the passive to the active. In other words, the philosophers would say, don't do this or people will do it to you in a negative way. Not only that, it's kind of passive. You just hang back, you don't do anything negative, and negative won't come your way. Jesus flipped this, and Jesus is making this positive by saying, basically saying, do good things to other people, but he's saying, also, you move toward them first. And so he's talking about being active, moving towards others first, and being positive, doing good things for them. And, in a sense, he's saying, oh, yes. And possibly they will begin to do that to you. Let me ask you, who do you love to be with? People who bring you up or people who tear you down? Oh, I want to be with people who bring me up. And I'm telling you, I'm the same way. If you're a person who's negative, everything's always bad, you know, people just have to put up with you. But we should not be that way as children of God. Now, he said the law and the prophets, meaning the righteousness demanded by the Old Testament law, we know it as the law of Moses, is, listen to this carefully, is fulfilled in converted believers. That means all those who have been saved, the law and the prophets is fulfilled in them, because they walk according to the Spirit. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Jesus came and actually lived a life, a sinless life, fulfilling all that the law required and demanded. You say, well, I've already blown it. Me too. None of us have lived up perfectly to the Ten Commandments. None of us have lived a life where we've never sinned. This is the good news. You and I are in Christ Jesus, and He fulfilled the law and the prophets. And so we fulfill the law and the prophets because we're in Christ Jesus. In and of yourself, my friend, you cannot do that. But in Christ Jesus, my friend, it is done. So you and I are to live lives being led, controlled by the Holy Spirit, walking in His Spirit, and when we do, This verse 12 will come through our life. And I want to tell you, you can't help but be a blessing to others when you see this clearly and you choose to walk in it. So, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. I believe this is a walk in the Spirit. You see, you can't do everything that the Sermon on the Mount instructs us to do. It is something that the Spirit of God does through you as you rest and abide in Him. So what do we need to do? 
We simply need to decide. I'm going to begin to move toward other people first, and I'm going to do good to them first. I'm not going to be passive and wait on them to move toward me. I will move toward them wanting to say, not worried about what do they think of me, but I want to move toward them thinking, what's God doing with them? What can I say or do to grow them up for the things of God? I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to be active. And when I feel fearful, I ask the Holy Spirit of God to neutralize that fearful emotion, and I choose to walk straight out toward people in the power of the Holy Spirit with a renewed mind by the principles of the Word of God and the wisdom of the Word of God and simply be a blessing wherever I find myself. Amen. Bloom where you planted, not by self-effort, but by the Holy Spirit who lives in you and surges through you as you abide in Him. So we need to decide how we want to be treated And then we need to begin treating other people in that manner. So many times people will literally stand around and wait or sit around and wait for someone to approach them and be kind, and then I will reciprocate. That is wrong thinking. You have to say, no, I'll stand up. I'll move toward people. I'll make that phone call. I'll write that note. I'll send that text. I'll send that email. I'll move toward them first. No longer be passive, but be active, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I decide that what people do to me that I absolutely love, I choose to begin to do that to other people regardless how I feel. (laughs) I want to tell you, you'll have wonderful relationships and you'll be a blessing wherever you go. And so I'm calling everyone to do this. If you want people to act right toward you, you be the first to act right toward them. Pastor, what if they don't respond? Well, you just haul off and hit them. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) No, we don't do that. Aren't you glad that the Spirit of God pursued you when you kept saying no? Who are you? not to just keep on loving them even when they push you away. Have you ever been with somebody and you you just wanted to hug them and they pushed you away? Have you you ever walked up to somebody to hug them and you felt like you was hugging this pulpit? It's like, man, there ain't no love here. (laughs) I mean, it's like, oh, goodness. But have you ever been kind to someone year after year after year and you very seldom got any response? Have you ever been positive over and over and over and over and over again, day in and day out, day in and day out, no reciprocation, no positive coming back, no real genuine hug? You ever been in that situation? Well, when is enough enough? Never. You got to keep going forward. You got to keep moving along. But I will give you one word of consolation. You may have people in your life that just don't get it, as our young people like to say. (laughs) They just don't get it. But there are many people who will reciprocate. Spend most of your time with them for encouragement and then get back into the negative and keep moving forward, knowing that it won't 
be like that forever. Now, there are five ways you want others to treat you. Remember what Jesus said. He said, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. And I believe he was saying, you be active and you do it first. Don't wait on them. One way is you want them to encourage you. Everybody wants somebody to encourage them. You say, well, I don't need it. Oh, you do need it. Just to think and say that tells me you crave it. God made you that way. You want people to encourage you. More than likely, your best friend is the one who encourages you. They simply reach down and lift you up. They do not have faulty thinking. Faulty thinking is this. Well, if I encourage you too much, you're going to get high on your horse and think you don't need me. Do you realize one of the reasons people won't encourage another person is because they'll think, if I give you too much encouragement, you'll begin to feel real good about yourself and you won't need me anymore. I'm going to knock the encouragement down so you'll cling to me. That is controlled and rooted in codependency. A child of God, spirit-filled, active, moving forward by the power of the Holy Spirit, encourages and does not try to control you with that encouragement. You think about this. How many of you would go out uh, this afternoon and, and build a fire and stick your hand in that fire? You wouldn't do it. Well, what happens when, when you're working at the stove and, uh, and you get your hand just too close to something? It's hot. Do you keep it there? You pull it back. Well, why do you pull it back? It's because it's hot. What's wrong with it being hot? It burns. What's wrong with burn? Pain. See, it's natural to draw back from pain. Listen to me carefully. If you are a rejecter of people, if you are a negative person, you inflict pain, and naturally people will draw back from you. And you wonder, why do I not have any friends? Why why do do the, the children at school, why won't they sit next to me? Well, why, why the people at work, when they're at the coffee pot, I think they're just talking about me. Well, maybe you're hurtful and you don't even realize it. You can hurt people with your body language. No expression. You walk into the room, won't acknowledge uh, the presence of the person who just walked in, just too busy for you. That is covert rejection is what it is. And so people find themselves not being encouragers, and uh, sometimes people control by not encouraging you in what's most important to you. Now, I remember talking many years ago to a farmer's son who had gotten so angry with his dad, the landowner, that he had gone to his dad's truck, pulled out all the hand tools, and threw them out in a a bean field. Every single one of them. Wrenches, everything. Threw them all out into a bean field. And I said, what on earth are you doing? So I'm mad at my dad. Well, you know what? This is not only hurting your dad, it's hurting you and it's hurting the farm. I mean, what good is this going to do? I'm trying to hurt him like he's hurt me. I said, well, how has he hurt you? He said, my dad can't bring himself to tell me when I've done good. And so I got curious and I talked to the dad a little later in the day and lo and behold, the son was right. The father withheld approval. And you know what that father told me? 
The Father said, this is my way to teach self-reliance. And it's the way my dad did him, and it's the way my great-granddad did to my dad. If you're going to be tough to take over this farm one day, you don't need a lot of approval. You need to just get out there and get it done. Well, it totally frustrated him. What we really need is somebody to encourage us in life as we move ahead. Second thing that you want from people, remember, here's the key. Jesus said, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. You want them to encourage you, so you start encouraging first. Be active. That's what he said. Number two, you want people to appreciate you. You want people to appreciate you. The number one thing, ladies, that I hear from husbands as I meet with guys and do discipleship It's very obvious to me, I hear this over and over again, is my family does not realize what it's costing to live the way we live. And I'm just worn out and burned out, and I get no appreciation. And I know this, ladies, if you disciple other ladies, you're hearing the same thing from ladies. They don't know how much laundry I do around this house. They don't know what it takes to fix three meals a day and then clean it all up and then pick up behind them. No appreciation. People want to be appreciated. Jesus says, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Someone has said, one of the greatest needs in the human heart is this craving to be appreciated. Mom and dad didn't encourage, didn't show appreciation. And somebody comes along with a very confused sexual identity, shows a lot of encouragement and appreciation. They compromise how God made them and go into a lifestyle that's opposite of God's will for their life because they're craving to be encouraged, craving to be appreciated. That's how powerful and how strong this subject is. And Jesus said, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. So I want you to try something very practical. I've been doing this for many years. When you begin to talk with someone, someone you've just met, and you just happen up on them, try your best within the first 30 seconds of the conversation with them to say something that shows your appreciation and something that shows your affirmation of them. Within the first 30 seconds, begin to think this way. It'll start being the way that you are without thinking. Encourage them. Show them appreciation. Don't be tight-fisted with your praise, or somebody may throw all your tools out in the cotton field. Third thing is this. You want people to forgive you. You want people to forgive you. Remember again what Jesus said, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. You see, forgiveness frees us from guilty emotions and that allows us to interact positively with other people. When you've had conflict with someone and you haven't forgiven them, and it's very obvious they feel the strain in your relationship with them, and there's no real forgiveness. There's just this obstinance. There's just this clash. There's just this walled up. God never intended that. 
the wise thing to do and the godly and the principled thing to do from God's Word, the wisdom of God that leads to right actions, right feelings, right relationships, is to practice forgiving. Let me ask you this. Did God forgive you? Absolutely. Did He forgive you of everything? You better hope that He did. You know that He did. Because you can't get into heaven without His forgiveness. All right? How can you not forgive someone else if God has forgiven you of everything? That's arrogance and that's pride. We don't really have a choice. We need to live with an attitude of, I forgive. I don't understand it, and it certainly continues to hurt. But I have to forgive. That doesn't mean that you set yourself up to keep being hurt. You have to be judicial, but you have to forgive. Immediate forgiveness. You may need to protect yourself sometimes in certain ways because if they're a hurtful person, uh, God will not just have you stand there and set yourself up to be hurt, but you have to forgive when other people hurt you. So we want other people to forgive us. We need to forgive other people. Ernest uh, Hemingway, in his short story, The Capital of the World, he tells about a father and a son that just really got at odds with one another. They were just mad at one another, so mad that the son just stormed out of the house. And it was that way for some time, and the father just felt so sad. Deep inside, he just felt sad. And so he tried to find a way to bridge the gap between him and his son. And so he did everything he could, but he couldn't find out where his son was located. And so he put in the newspaper in Madrid, Spain, a simple little newspaper quote said uh, his son's name was Peco. Peco's very popular name in Spain. He said, Dear Peco, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? All is okay. If you read this, meet me in front of the Hotel Montana tomorrow at noon. Hemingway said the next day at noon, over 800 people named Peco were standing there looking for their dad. I think one of the greatest things we can do is to practice immediate forgiveness. Forgiving other people no matter what they've done to you and to say, well, for that I'll never forgive them. My friend, listen, I love you, so listen, are you truly born again? Because when you're born again, the Spirit of God sets up residence within you. He sheds His agape love abroad in your heart. And my friend, it should bother you when you just can't forgive. We must forgive. Jesus said, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Encourage me. Begin to encourage. Appreciate me. Begin to show appreciation. Forgive me. I'm not perfect. Begin to forgive other people. And the fourth thing is this. You want people to listen to you. You want people to stop, look, and listen and not being in a hurry to walk away. Remember again what Jesus said, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Now, there are two ways to listen. One way is simply hearing. And guys, you know we're the worst in the world with our wives of hearing but not listening. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
You just, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Well, real listening is wanting to hear. In a sense, you've dropped everything out of your mind, and you're listening, and you're leaning forward because you want to hear. You want to hear clearly. That's what real listening is all about. Now, I want to say this. I want you to be very honest with your self. Are you worth listening to? <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I mean, I'm not being mean, and I would never tell you that you're not worth listening to. I might think it, but I won't tell you, I promise. But are you worth listening to? How do you think? What do you read? What are you about? I mean, are you stuck at this point in your life? And to be with you is like, oh, my word, when can I leave? I feel so tired and wrung out and worn out because nothing's ever good. Everything's always bad. And it's just, it's like, oh, if you want people to listen to you, you do have a responsibility. You need to be interesting. There needs to be times that you're inspiring. That don't mean you have to walk around acting and posturing uh, in a way that's not real. But you have to ask yourself, why would someone listen to me? I tell guys all the time. You got to be a reader. If they say, well, I just hate to read, you got to listen to things, listen to books, take in information, process it, and discuss it with people because it's the way God made us. We're to communicate and listen to one another. And so you got to be honest with yourself. Are you interesting and inspiring? Why should people really listen to you? But all of us crave to be listened to. I just want to tell you, for me, it helps me when I'm listening to you, to every now and then say something positive and inspiring. And then you can get to the other. Every now and then just let me come up for air when we're talking. Fifth thing is this. You want people to understand you. Remember what Jesus said. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. I just demand you understand me, and I, I'm not going to tell you how. You figure it out. All right? If that's the way you are. Let's flip it. Let's be active like I believe Jesus was saying here at the Sermon on the Mount, at the conclusion part. I believe you have to say, okay, I've got to understand you. I'm going to be active. And you see how it feels when somebody wants you to understand them and they give you no hints. They don't communicate in such a way that you get to know them so you can understand them. And so we all want people to understand us. And that takes communication. It takes talking and listening. Talking and listening. Now, if you have a tendency to always think that you're right, if you have a tendency to dominate the conversation, and you're always correcting people, that's not right. That's not what was said. If you're doing it, I'm telling you, I love you, so listen, you're going to have a hard time with friendships the rest of your life. You've got to be a person who listens to people. You speak. You listen. you got to maintain a balance. Don't expect people to just guess at understanding you. Now, women, I know how y'all are. I know you don't know how y'all are, but us guys, we really know how you are. You want us to figure you out without you having to say it so that you know that we really know you. I know that. But sometimes it would help us guys to just come right out and tell us what we need to understand. Amen? Don't beat around the bush. It's called communication. 
Don't expect people to guess at understanding you. Now, what did Jesus say? He said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, when you do that, what will happen? If you begin to practice these things, being active and saying, okay, this is what I really wish everybody knew about me, and this is what I wish everybody do for me. So I'm going to be active, and I'm going to start doing this to everybody else. Your life will begin to weigh more. Your influence will rise. It will excite you, inspire you, and encourage you, and you'll realize I'm making a difference for God. I'm making a difference in His kingdom. And this disconnect that you have felt, you begin to feel really, really connected. And if you're dealing with loneliness, that loneliness goes out of the way. Matter of fact, you find yourself looking for a place to be lonely. <laughs> Go sit in a cemetery. That's a good spot to sit. It can be real lonely there. Now, everything I just explained to you, it brings glory to God. How do we do this? Well, encouraging all people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us the great commission, go and make disciples, not just teaching believers, but being a person who brings a person from alienation from God, separated from God, defiliation with God, bringing a person to the point where they realize, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I believe it's this Jesus. And then helping them pray to ask Christ to come to their heart. Encouraging them, encouraging all people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what you and I should be about. I'm, I'm listen, you're going to regret it if you get to the end of your life and you've never led one person to the Lord who was lost and didn't know about Jesus. And because of you coming on the scene in their life, you begin to share, show, pray, encourage, until finally they say, I want what you have. And then, discipling them in spiritual growth. You say, well, I, that's just for you. You're a minister. No, this is our lifestyle. We're pilgrims passing through. We're sojourners. We're emissaries. We're ambassadors. This is not our final destination. Have you realized this is not our final destination? What we're supposed to be doing is pointing other people, teasing other people, fertilizing other people, pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then spending time listening to them, communicating with them from the Word of God, showing them what we know. You say, well, I don't know much. Okay, show them what you do know. By next week, have learned something else to show them and keep living and thinking this way, equipping them to make disciples of the nations, doing the same thing that you're doing. And our motto is Christ in us for others. Listen, we can't live the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Spirit of God who lives in us. The one who fulfilled the law and the prophets, He lives through us, the Sermon on the Mount. It's not the perseverance of the saint, my friend. Listen, it's the perseverance of the Holy Spirit in the saint doing the work. You've got to move toward people, and you need to start doing it as quickly as possible because Jesus is coming. We're not supposed to just live on this earth enjoying everything there is to enjoy and forgetting that there are people around us, even some of our friends, who are not going to be into heaven one day. 
because we're afraid that we're going to be rejected. We have a fear of mankind, and we're not doing as Jesus would have us to do, move forward to other people. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.